Welcome back to the Detroit is Different podcast. I'm your host, Kari Way Frazier, a Detroiter, a hip-hop artist, and a storyteller. And today, talking about stories, I got a special guest, Henry Tyler, TV 33, also The Scene, The New Dance Show, and so many other experiences. We talk about his connection to Detroit, a little bit about his family connection to the city, and just media and broadcast. We talk about dance. We talk about different things that have happened over time to get him to the place where he is as somebody that has been in Detroit media for years and years it's somebody that i respect he's a legend and he's also a fan of the stylistics just like me so listen in to this detroit is different podcast thank you so much welcome back to the detroit is different podcast today is july 26th saturday got a lot of good people in here my mom just walked in like i always say that's the greatest person i know greatest person i know but i continue the movement of this whole podcast of introducing a lot of different people to some of the coolest Detroiters that I know that I think can welcome and talk about different things. I got Henry Tyler here. Henry Tyler, how are you? Oh, Corey, I'm doing really good. I'm hanging in there and feeling good and uh, glad to be alive. All right. That was a great things. And this all kind of started from, first off, I talk about this on my website, Detroit is Different. Mm-hmm. I talk about just how long I've known you all. And then when I say you all, I'm talking about yourself and RJ Watkins right. and uh, how I admire both of you as entrepreneurs, uh, giving people a voice that need a voice through Thank TV you. 33, FM 88.1. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, it's online now. Right. And speaking of people with voices, Theo Broughton is here. And Theo Broughton's one of the people with the voices right right there on the station. TV 33. Exactly. On TV 33. It's a Detroit thing for everybody outside Detroit. But you can stream it. Just go to the website. You can check it from everything from primetime, where I remember uh, we premiered my video years back, my grown man business (laughs) video. And Mike was there. I think we came in like 12 deep. We Mm -hmm. looked like a real solid rap entourage and crew. crew. Exactly. Crew. Exactly. It's like primetime got security at his show and everything. It's like, yeah, you need that because rappers come like 15 deep. But you, you need to do that. So um, amongst that, this is about like people's Detroit journeys. Okay. So it kind of started when I was 
at Orthea Barnes show, mm-hmm. and I was just talking about the Huckabuck for some strange reason. Uh-oh. I was joking Uh-oh. with Sean, and uh, you were talking about your dad did the Huckabuck, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. and I was like, I was joking with him because it was like some older lady. He was like, she looked kind of good. I'm like, you gonna have to learn how to do the Huckabuck, and then you were like, well, I don't know how to do the Huckabuck now. So then I was like, well, that's the scene, the new dance show. So you may be able to talk about Detroit dances for forever. Well, here's here's the story. Um, back in the day. Okay. There was a show in Windsor called Swinging Time with Robin Seymour. Okay, were people doing like the Charleston on there or something? No, or? no, no, no. That's, that's, a little, that's a little far back. That's a little, little too far back for me. But, you know, we were, we were dancing to the, the uh, music of, of the rock and roll and the Motown sound. Okay. Uh, James Brown, Dionne Warwick. Little Richard, all, all of these artists I had the opportunity to meet. Okay, over now, at swinging time. Okay, now let me ask you this question. Now you said Dion Warwick. Now the only stuff I know from her back in the day was like the Burt Backrack stuff. But people her. were dancing to that. Yes. Okay. Yes. Right. Because again, you 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 had the fast music for, uh-huh. to dance to. Okay. And then you had the slow music, which Dion Warwick normally did, uh, to, to you know the slow dance to. Okay. Okay. Mo- most shows would always have a, a portion where uh, where they would feature a slow dance or something, and and she was one of the well, basically when she can when when the artist comes in to perform, they you know they would do their music, and so it wouldn't necessarily have dancers dancing, but the it would be the focus would be on the artists themselves. Okay, I'm gonna just angle this up because okay. we gotta get straight more mm-hmm. into the mic. Mm-hmm. So. Um, with the dancing that was going on on that show, mm-hmm. you were one of the people that would go. Was it like Soul Train or like how, how did it right. work? It was it was like Soul Train uh, where um, when you go to Windsor, you had to become a regular on the mm-hmm. show. And we would go over there after school and uh, my sister and I. Okay. Uh, my sister Leola and I would, would go over there and we would uh, get picked to uh, dance on the show. And uh, you know it was it was it was fun. That was my first experience of being on a dance show, and I know I, I've I've got the knowledge just by watching what they were doing. So huh. it, it, that knowledge helped me later on down the line when we got our own dance show. See now. This this throws me off because like you know you watch documentaries that Soul Train documentary I was right. just thinking Don Cornelius was just genius or something right. for doing a black spin on American Bandstand right. but it wasn't unprecedented it was things like was this like across the country stuff like Swinging Time well, or yeah. was this like a Detroit thing I, I'm sure every city around the country had some type of dance show or, or uh-huh. that was geared to the uh, teens during that era. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I see some video clips of different shows from around the country where they have all these artists come in from Stack, from uh, Chicago Sound, the Philadelphia Sound, um, uh, Joe Tex. I mean, all of the early artists, Motown artists, Four mm-hmm. Tops, Temptations, Supremes, you know, and, and they would perform on all of these shows. And so the Swinging Time show with Robin Seymour was was just one of the shows that was big here in in the city of Detroit and Windsor. Okay, so what type of dances were you guys doing? The twists. Okay. 
All right, uh, I know the twist. That's Chubby Checker, right? Uh, yeah. Okay. And, and back right. then, we used to do something called the bop. Okay, what's that? The bop it was is is basically it's uh, what are, what are, what are they doing? Stepping or, or not stepping, but ballroom. Okay. Basic ballroom. Okay. And where you, where you you're dancing with your partner, and you know you're together, and then you spin out, and then you bop, you know you bop. Uh, you know, with your foot movements and everything, and then you, you, you go back together again. So that was that was the bop, basically. Okay, now, for me, I'm, I generally don't dance, mm-hmm. but during like the high school era, that's like Mike way back in the day, like <laughs> Cass Homecoming. What was that? Two thousand? Oh man, it was amazing. So um, the only reason we would dance was just to uh, get a chance to interact with females. Okay. So that was like really the only reason. You would dance, so I'm guessing it was like that same type of thing, like the boy girl type thing. Yeah, of course. I mean, even in high school, we used to have uh, parties in the gym, uh-huh. and so you know, you you, you stand against the wall, mm-hmm. and then you see a female that you want to dance with, and you go over and ask her to dance. Sometimes they'll say yes, and sometimes they'll give you that look like. Oh man, that culture has completely changed. Yeah. Now you just see a girl, you know, shaking, and you just hop behind her, and then she do that sh- look over her shoulder, and she be like, hey, "Okay." <laughs> and you hope, yeah, you hope she don't keep that's, walking away. That's changed a lot. That's changed a, lot a lot, brother. Yeah. A lot, brother. Thanks to people like Ludacris and um, I don't know who. I don't even know who else make dance music nowadays. <laughs> Lady Gaga or something. So with that. Um, like it sounds like you had to know way more dance moves because it's really not many dance moves nowadays. You got like I guess guys like Chris Brown that like can dance, mm-hmm. but he's not dancing with somebody. So how would you find out these dance moves? Were people like in the mirror making them up? I mean, did it like how did it hit the streets? No, it sounds I mean, like it was a mixtape nowadays or something. I, I mean, you could you could give a lot of credit to uh, uh, different uh, recording artists. You know, for instance, like James Brown, of course. Okay. What? Uh, James Brown, uh, uh, you know, he, he did a song called uh, There Was a Time. And in the song, he states, you know, that uh, there was a time where I used to dance. Uh-huh. And uh, then he say, I, I do the boogaloo. Uh-huh. Okay. And then he say the mashed potatoes. And then jump back, Jack, see you later. Alligator. Okay, I remember know? that. So, I mean, I James was like the the, the dancer. So, you know? but what, what was the dance like? I look at James Brown, which I think the movie out like this week or something. Next week. Oh, next week. Mm-hmm. That guy don't look like James Brown to me, but they got he they got the look. Now, I I have to see the movie to because I've met James and mm-hmm. and I I'd have to see the movie to see how. Uh, but I'm older, so my perspective of James Brown is more, way more like living in America, James Brown. Okay, yeah, yeah. Than but, like, but please, see, please, please, right, James Brown. Right, see, the please, please, please was, was the early James Brown where he, I mean, he, he just got started. Matter of fact, my brother uh, was the one that told me about James Brown. He came home from off, to, off of a tour once, uh-huh. and he said, uh, you know, he had some pictures of James Brown at the Apollo. Uh-huh. And he said, you don't know James Brown? I said, no, I've never heard of him. He said, James Brown, he's the one that, that slides around on the floor on one leg. I said, no, I, 
I've never heard of. And then ever since he, he told me that, then I started looking for James Brown music and, mm -hmm. and what it, and then I found out, oh, that's James Brown. So, so like an artist would mention it because mm -hmm. like here's another one. I know that Michael Jackson would always credit Jackie Wilson, right. who's like based in this area, like right. Highland Park, Detroit. Right. So was it like he was famous for a particular dance and then people would see him on stage and say, all right, I'm about to do that at the club next week. Yeah, I mean that, that's that's how that's how basic dances get started. I mean, you, of course, you know Chubby Checker, mm -hmm. the twist, but which Chubby wasn't the first person to do that song. He wasn't. Uh, he was not the first person. But to he do got that paid song. for it. Uh, yeah, his yeah. was the most popular. Uh, matter of fact, the guy that that did the song was with James Brown's band. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, it was uh, Bobby. I think it was. Bobby Bird, uh, okay. something like that. He 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 recorded the song first, uh -huh. and I, I, he it did well, but it didn't it didn't hit. But then when Chubby came out with it, he wound up on American Bandstand and and all you know all around the country on different uh, shows. So that was you know that was his claim to fame. The, the no, Elvis says he credits him for like. A lot of the reason why he wanted to get into music. With Chubby? Yep. Okay. He says yeah. that. But for whatever that's worth, we went straight into the dance part, mm -hmm. and we're going to definitely come back to it. But okay. let's talk a little bit about your Detroit story. How long have you been Detroit-based? Oh, I was, I was born. Okay. Not by the river, but I, I was born by okay. some railroad track. No, no. <laughs> I was born on the east side uh, okay. near uh, the, the Eastern Market. Oh, okay. it was a street called Adelaide, and, okay. and I, I didn't, I didn't realize. Well, I was a little young guy, and and I had my little group of gang that I would hang around with, mm -hmm. and we would run around. Back then, they had like this this railroad station mm -hmm. by down the street from my house, and me and my little gang, we would go and hang out and play on the railroad mm -hmm. station. And uh, right down the street from where I live was Hastings mm -hmm. Street. That was the Mecca in Detroit, and I never, you know, I was young, I didn't know, but that's where all of the black businesses were, on, on Hastings Street. Okay, now, when you were, you were born here, but like, let's trace your family roots okay. to Detroit. Right. Who the, was the first from your family to come to Detroit that you know of? Um, I was the first to be born, born in Detroit. Okay. Most of my family before me uh -huh. was born, <laughs> In Alabama, okay, it was a little town called Red Level, Alabama. Red Level. Red Level. Why was Alabama. it called that? That's that was the name. Okay. I mean, that, that Red Level Alabama. Hopefully, it wasn't nothing racist. And it was like a, they killed a bunch it, it of Native people. No, I hope not. Well. I hope not. But yeah. it was, it was not too far. I think it was not too far from Montgomery. Alabama. Okay. But um, my father, I think he came up to Detroit first. Mm -hmm. And then he sent for my mom mm -hmm. and the, the rest of my family, and everybody else moved up. So it was more than just like your immediate oh, family. Yeah. It was I, 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 had, I had six. I have six brothers, three sisters. Okay. Right. You one one brother passed not too long ago, mm. but condolences. But it was it was. Uh, thank you. Mm -hmm. It was uh, ten of us. Okay. Yeah. What about any uncles, aunts? Did anybody else move up? Yeah. Um, 
Um, my uncle Will, my uncle Claude, my uncle John, uh, all of them that you know they moved from down south and, and came to Detroit to live. And did they all kind of stay in that same like neighborhood? No, they, everybody was everywhere. I mean, mm-hmm. my my uncle Claude, he was like we used to call him the fish man because mm-hmm. he worked at a at a, at a fishery and okay. that was down by the Eastern Market. Okay. Okay. Uh, my uncle Will, he was in the factory. My father was in the factory. Which worked uh, in the foundry. Ford. Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. Ford. Right. Right. And uh, one quick story. One one night, my father came home and uh, there was an accident at the at the plant, and he came home and his clothes were smoking because he was it's some, that hot steel fell out came out hmm. and it jumped on him oh, and, and his clothes were still burnt. You know it was smoking mm-hmm. by the way, even when he got home. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, uh, my, I, I get my hard work ethic from my father. Okay. You know, he's, he, he's always, um, I mean, he was the type of person that would get up in the morning. He had like a little automobile uh, repair in, in a garage someplace. Mm-hmm. He would go there in the morning, go to work at Ford's in the afternoon, and get up and, and, and work uh, on the automobiles, and that, that's all he did. So two jobs. Yeah. Yeah, that's deep. Well, I mean, with ten kids, I mean, yeah. No. Yeah. You had to do something. I can imagine. Yeah. I yeah. can imagine. Yeah. And within that, that places you in that area. Did you go to Miller? No. Y- yes. Okay. I went to Miller when it was a, what we used to call a junior high. Okay. It's, it's middle school now. Yeah. But, but when, when I went to Miller, at one time, Miller was a high school. Mm-hmm. Then they changed it to a junior high, mm-hmm. and and I went to um, Harris Elementary School. Okay. Well, Williams Elementary School. Then I went to Harris, mm-hmm. and after Harris, I went to Miller, and after Miller, I went to Northeastern High School. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, for everybody listening, Miller High School and Junior High School are like very historic places right. in the city of Detroit for right. as far as like people of black prominence. Like yes. you can trace almost like. A lot of hierarchy right through those places if you look at those graduating classes from the 40s 50s 50s. 60s Mm -hmm. it's a lot of a lot of powerhouses we're going through that through that place so when you were at northeastern is that place you with like uh which now is i guess kind of like king high school as they say no but it's kind of not king high school well, Northeastern, you know, that, that was, it's no, it's no longer there. Mm-hmm. And uh, every year, uh, the last Sunday in August, okay. they have a reunion for all years. Okay. And uh, I have, I've had the pleasure of, uh, of DJing okay. uh, during, you know, during, on that Sunday. And hmm. um, so it's, they have it every year. And that's that's a good thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, after high school, mm-hmm. what did you do? After high school, I went immediately into the Air Force. Okay. But I got to explain why I went into the Air Force. Explain why. During that time, the government had something called the draft. And the draft meant they would send you a notice saying greetings this is uncle sam so we want you to come to the army that's what you be in the army 
That's weak. And and I didn't want to go in the army because if if I if I knew if I went into the army, I was going straight to Vietnam. Uh huh. And so I said no. Uh, so I took my my brother's advice, one of my brothers, and and said, uh, join the Air Force. Okay. What was the Air Force like? Air Force was uh, it, it was uh, I it was a good experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, my brother told me before I went in, though, he said, look, I'm going to give you this advice. It's a funny little game with funny little rules, so you have to just go along with it. So when I got off the plane to, to, to basic training, the TI just jumped on all of us. You know? What's TI? TI is a training instructor. Okay. You know? it's, it's, like, um, it's like the movie uh, that I like from Stanley Kubrick, the guy. What's that? What movie is that? Um, it's one of my favorite movies, Full Metal Jacket. The guy that's like yep. yelling at Corporal yep. Powell. Yep. Okay. That, that, that's, the, that's the T.I.'s job. Okay. And the reason why they do that, they, they want to see how much it takes to, for you to, to break. Mm-hmm. If you break and, 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 and go after them, then they discharge you, you know, because they, you know, they, don't, they don't want you. If you would have gotten discharged... Mm-hmm. Would it that be a way just to avoid Vietnam? No, that, 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 it would it would have been an honorable discharge. I mean, a dishonorable discharge. So uh-huh. that would have made it rough to, oh, okay. to get jobs oh, okay. and, and everything coming back. It'd been like a felony, right, on your right. record, right? Okay. So, so what I what I did was I took what I could take and got through. Mm-hmm. See, because the, the other bad thing about basic training is. The TI was the one that had your life in his hands. If you got, say if it was a 10-week course that you, that you had the basic training, mm-hmm. you got to, this, is, this really happened. The guys got all the way to the ninth week and did something. They set them back to the first week. Oh man, that's and they had week. to start all over again. <laughs> so my my fear was being set back to the to the first week. I don't so, blame you. You know I you know I was I, I got through it. Okay. And so once once I I got through basic training, then they sent me to a technical school in uh, uh, Gulfport, Biloxi, Mississippi. That was. Um, Lack, no, not well, not what was it? Uh, I can't remember the name of the base, but Keesler, Keesler Air Force Base mm-hmm. in, in Mississippi. And I had to go, I was a 702-50, which was administrative. Mm-hmm. So I was a clerk. Okay. That sounds <laughs> like uh, far away from the action. That's yeah. what I'd have been. Yeah. So they, they taught me how to type in one week. Mm-hmm. And I still, I hope the Air Force don't hear this. I still didn't pass my typing test because uh-huh. I knew you know you could only make like three mistakes, mm-hmm. and I know for a fact I made five. Huh. And and but they they let me go. I mean they pushed me okay. through to the next block, and once I finished that block, then I went to my my uh, first duty assignment, which was in Duluth, Minnesota. Okay. What worked was it? I worked at a missile site, hmm. and uh, that was that was an experience because I lived in a hotel. 
and they bust us out to the missile site and brought us back you know to the hotel at night mm -hmm. so though that was that was good and then my when i left duluth i went to bangkok thailand have you ever been out the country before that never no just canada okay just canada but uh and when i got to uh bangkok uh, i worked in uh, the post office okay and for a little for a little while and then after i worked in the post office then they put me in the air mail terminal and uh, that was like, uh, you know, just doing doing the mail thing as far as sending packages mm -hmm. back from the airmen and everything back to the uh, states and everything. So okay, that was it was Stay a good away. experience. Hey, good I don't experience. blame you. Stay away from but, those troops. You know, a lot a lot of t a lot of times, uh, people, um, you know, they uh, they don't they don't understand that. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a lot of different jobs that's going on in the service mm -hmm. that people are, have to do, mm -hmm. and somebody's got to do them. So, you know, I was I, I was glad that I was able to to learn all of these things. Okay. When when I did work at the different jobs that I had. Okay. So when you got back from the service, mm -hmm. what was happening? When I, okay, quick story. Uh, when I was overseas in in Bangkok. Uh, I, I used to try to sing with bands. Okay. And uh, and then in the um, recreation room that we, we that we had, I would like introduce people, and mm -hmm. some guys would come up to me and they say, "Hey, uh, what you gonna do? You know, when you get out of the service?" I said, "Well, I don't know. I, I'll probably go back to my job that I had before." They say, "Man, you should be a DJ, man." Mm -hmm. You know, you got a nice voice. You should be a DJ. I say, nah, I don't be no DJ. You know, that's that's too much like work. You know? uh -huh. So um, when I when I came home in 1972, I went to the Electronic Institute of Technology. Okay. It was a 22 week course for broadcasting. Okay. So I took that, and um, once I got my diploma from from that, then I started DJing around the city. And I would do like cabarets, I would do uh, fashion shows, uh, motorcycle club functions, uh, uh, weddings, mm -hmm. receptions, and I did this for like about 10 years. Okay, now when you say that, so that's like 72, 82, mm -hmm. what were some of the places? Because I know some of the places now, like the Cotillion Ballroom mm -hmm. and uh, let's see, what other places? This one place, it's closed down. It was like one of the last places on the east side. What was that? The Indigo Ballroom. We used to do, <laughs> they used to throw like high school parties there. Mm -hmm. Very, um, a lot of urban interpersonal conflict would yeah, happen in right, the Indigo right. Ballroom as well. But we, I, every, I mean, it was, it was a bunch of rental halls okay. around the city and suburbs mm -hmm. that I would go and set up and, and do. And how did you get the leads on the, uh, your, your services? You know, I, uh, advertising and, and word of mouth. Okay. You know, I, I would do a reception here and, and somebody would come up and ask for a card. Uh -huh. I would give them a card. Then they would call me and say, well, so-and-so is getting married when you do their reception. Okay. Or oh, I got a fashion show that's coming up. Can you do that? I did something at the Latin Quarter. Uh, okay. It, it was like uh, a fashion show, and I played the music for the, for the fashion show. So, I mean, it was all of the venues around the city of Detroit and suburbs uh, I would work in. 
Now, it's a different respect I have for DJs back then because you all had to really had to lug around records yeah. oh, as opposed oh, to DJs now where oh. you can just hook up the, the computer and get a world of music. Not only the, the, you know, the, the records, but you had the equipment. Mm -hmm. And see, I've always been like creative where I, I created this little stand. Mm -hmm. It was like two pillars and then... This this one little thing set in set down in the pillars, mm -hmm. and it had like a turntable hold, okay. you know, on this side, and a turntable on this side, and the mixer was in the middle. So uh, you know, that that's that was my setup, and then okay. I would run that to the amps and then to the speakers, and I would that's how I would broadcast and do my music all night long. Okay, so what were some of the records that you were like known for playing? Well, it was, I mean, sta the standard songs back then, uh, um, Ain't No Stopping Us Now. Okay. Uh, um, the, um, uh, you know, any, anywhere from Teddy Pendergrass to, um, um, the, well, you know, standard Motown, uh, uh, Philadelphia Sound, uh, all, all of the music, it's 50, uh, 60s. 70s, 80s. Okay. Now, from that, how did that transfer into broadcasting? <laughs> I, uh, I always wanted to be on a, a major station. So when the scene came on, uh -huh. I had an opportunity to go down, and uh, I had an idea uh, for something called soul bio okay and, and soul bio was a, a, a thing where i would take different artists like my favorite group the stylistics okay and i would do like a bio or talking about them and and how you know what what their career was all about and i created that and i took it down to gpr and talked to mr george white who was the program director back then okay uh and on my way out of his office, I ran into Nat Morris. Okay. And Nat said, well, you know what you got? What you got? I said, well, I got this idea. It's called Soul Bio. He said, well, let me, let me see it. Let me see it. So I went around to his office, and I played it for him. And he said, okay, look, I'm going to put you on the scene, and, and, and you, can, you can do it on the scene. Okay. I said, okay. So I, I did Soul Bio a couple of times on the scene, and then he and incorporated me in to doing things uh, at the scene, you know, from floor director to mm -hmm. uh, uh, audio. I didn't get into the directing yet. Okay. But uh, I, I even had a chance to host the scene a couple of times. Uh-huh. And later, later on down the line, I produced, like, specials like the crazy Halloween shows, you know, we, we would okay. do like comical Halloween shows and I was the guy f for that. Now, now, like just to put this in context, because you are a living legend. Like who, me? When it comes, yes, you are. <laughs> like when it comes to like different things, you'll be surprised on YouTube. I know you've seen it. It's like these hits for like the new dance show in the scene. It's right. thousands of people watching this. And mm -hmm. these are like shows comparable to Soul Train, but right. some of the moves and some of the people and the guests and the artists that would be mm -hmm. on there, like national acts and all types of right. stuff, it's, the scene was a 
very popular. I don't know what the ratings were or whatever, but mm-hmm. it was like extremely popular. Right. So like well, putting into context, like what was the scene as far as like, what did it mean to Detroiters back then as far as getting the, on the show and being seen on the scene? The funny, the funny story is that um, uh, the Detroit Police Department uh, really appreciated the scene because between six o'clock and seven, the crime rate was down. <laughs> and that was that was told to me, you know, okay. b- uh, by an official. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, but you know, the scene was basically like swinging time. I mean, dancers they they wanted to come on, they audition, they come down, they stand in line. You know, you, if you if you come down this week and you don't look the part, you're not going to be on. Okay, now so people would like. Go pick out outfits. Yes. People would go try to make up dancers. Yes. And all week think to themselves, I'm about to be on the show. Right. And then That's come it. down there, wait mm-hmm. in line. Wait in line. And be like, come back next week. Yeah. yeah. Some, some. Who was who was the person that had to tell the people? Well, you had, you had a dance coordinator. Okay. Who and was the, the dance coordinator? Uh, let's see. Uh, we had, we had um, ooh, let's see. I know Ron O.J., was was a dance coordinator and uh and i believe gino washington's sister at one time was a was a dance coordinator and then before nat took took over the scene uh george white's daughter okay. was the dance coordinator okay so they, they their responsibility was to pick the dancers and and have them come on and, and dance okay so what was it like just going through the city when people will respond to you from seeing you on the scene, like, what was the first time somebody recognized you from? Like, aren't you that guy on TV? <laughs> well, my my claim to fame, I guess, was with my commercials. Okay. I, I had I had two two commercials that people always recognized me. Okay. Uh, one was Colonial Merchandise Mart, and it was me and two other guys. Um, uh, oh, let's see. Uh, we we did um, this country song, and it was, it was like Holly folks. This is Hannah's Hank from Colonial Merchandise Mark, Twenty Five State Street downtown. But we were singing it, you know, country style. Okay. And uh, uh, Dwayne Parham. I mean, no, Dwayne Bart. Bar- oh, I, can, I can't think of his name. And Ken Wilson was were the other two guys. Okay. And that was one that everybody recognized, the con, uh, Colonial Merchandise Mart. And then I had another one from Singleton's Cleaners. Okay. Where the uh, the guy, the, the one part in the commercial that everybody recognized me on, where I had like this uh, steam and I was blowing it on this guy's shirt, you know. And then I was saying, you down, you down. And the guy looked at me and said, I wish my sleeves were down. You know, so that, <laughs> that, those, were, those were my my claim to fame. So what was the first time when you remember that you can recall where somebody like you were like at the gas station or because that sometimes has happened to me. It's like, aren't you that guy from TV? And it's like, TV. I was like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I was on TV. Like, what was, do you remember that? I, I, I mean, it, it, it's. Because I know right now it's like. It, it was, I can't remember like the first time, but 
I mean, my wife and I, we, we can go, we go to the grocery market or we'll be walking down the street and somebody will walk up, hey, aren't you crazy Hank, uh, 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 stupid Hank, uh, uh, stupid. Uh, crazy man, in uh, uh, the you down, you down guy? And I said, yeah, that's me. And, and, and they remember. You, you know? ever get some free food for being the you down guy? Uh, yeah. Okay. You know, get treated, uh, you know, like when we uh, would do uh, live broadcasts. Okay. Uh, RJ and I, we, we used to go around to the different clubs and doing a live radio broadcast. And, okay. And, you know, people would come up and buy me a drink, even though I don't drink, mm-hmm. but they would buy me a, a soft drink or whatever, okay. and it worked good. Now, as we move over and kind of transition, and we mm-hmm. talk about uh, R.J. Watkins and right. also the business partnership that has grown mm-hmm. between you both, because mm-hmm. that's kind of like from the scene to the new dance show. Actually, it all it started, it all started with an arcade. Okay, where was the arcade? It was on uh, Seven Mile and Telegraph, I mean, Seven Mile and Dequinder, and uh, it was... Uh, Oh shoot! I can't, I can't think of the name of the arcade. Um, it was a celebrity, celebrity arcade. Okay. And back then, you know, the arcades were the big thing. You know, all the video games you could go in and and, uh, and Pac-Man and uh, Galaxy and, and all of those. It's a type. The funny thing you mentioned that. Mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm a business partner now at the practice space, and Donnie's like right there, and uh, he's laughing because it's a it's a business partner also that they're working on this project with mm-hmm. this guy that's redeveloped a lot of the old games, mm-hmm. and now he's going to bring that back, but he wants to do some fundraisers or whatever. We're going to figure out some way to get my rap shows okay. and those arcade games together in the fall That'll of work. this year. That'll work. It's so a good, it's gonna good, be like deal. Pac-Man good deal. It's going to be Pac-Man and... Uh, well, you know, for us, it's a little bit different. So it's like Mortal Kombat. Right. I don't know, Street right. Fighter. And, yeah. You know, yeah. I don't know what other games. Yeah, that, you know, that's the Street Fighter and, and Mortal Kombat was more like my son. We used to exactly. take him to the arcade. Exactly. And, NBA and Jam with yeah. Jordan and Penny. And yeah. Man. Yeah. But that's, that's how we started. We started at the arcade. And uh, RJ and uh, Nat and, and myself, we, we worked you know, the scene, mm-hmm. and uh, the opportunity came up for me to become an air personality on GPR. Okay. And Miss Gregory, who was the uh, uh, the station manager back then, uh, she asked me if I wanted to become an air personality. And I told her, yes, Miss Gregory, I want to I wanna do it. Mm-hmm. But she said, but there's only one problem. You have to do a split shift. So I had to do four hours in production at the station. And then at 8 o'clock at night, on air. I would come on the air for four hours. And I did that for a number of years. I mean, wow. That was, it's a lot of hours on yeah, air. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it was, it was like, say, if I went to work around um, 12 and got off at 4, I didn't want to go all the way home, so I just stayed at the station until 8 and went on the air at 8 to midnight, and then I would go home. Mm. You know, so, you know, that, that, was, that was my radio career for a while. And then eventually uh, I stopped doing production, and I just had a regular 
um, four-hour shift on the air. Okay. And that was good. Okay. So what, what led to that arcade, like the, the partnership for you guys? You all came together to do the arcade? No, you know, RJ had called me one day, and he said that he needed some, uh, some uh, equipment for the arcade. Speakers and mm-hmm. so he could play music and everything. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, you know, I, I asked him if he wanted a partner, if he wanted a partner in it. But he had just got out of uh, a bad relationship with a guy that yeah. he, he he had had partnered with, so he really wasn't interested. Okay. So my 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 brother-in-law at that time, named George Hutchison, and myself had a meeting with him and. He said he would try it. So okay. we hooked up and uh, and started our partnership. Where, what what year about was this? Oh, this it was, was like the um, ooh. This had to be late, uh, early early eighties. Okay, early eighties, like eighty two, eighty three. Right. Okay. Because uh, we started the dance show in eighty eight. Okay. And it was November of eighty eight when we did the dance show for the first time. All right. So from the arcade, how did that lead over to the dance show? Because what, when we were at the arcade, we were still working at GPR. Okay. And we would, <laughs> we would put in proposals to, to GPR for different shows that we wanted to do. You know, we, we would come up with something, uh, uh, a, uh, a talk show. Uh-huh. No. Uh, we would put in, like, a um, uh, music show. No. A video show. No. I mean, we, we had to, I think we, we might have put in, like, about 20 different mm. proposals to GPR, mm. and all of them was knocked down. Mm. So we, we finally put in a proposal for what we call late-night entertainment. Okay. And uh, But before we... Before we did late night entertainment, yeah, we put in late night entertainment, and and uh, they said yes. Hmm. So it was like the first, I guess. Uh, R.J. was a fan of Johnny Carson. Okay. So he he patterned late night entertainment after the Johnny Carson show. Did what was like the? How did the production value go? Was it like a budget? Was it like your budget? Was it their budget? Like how did? No, it was our budget. Everything was on us. So the commercials, the the setup. We we had to get the sponsors. We had to pay the cameraman. We had to pay the director, the the producer. Mm. Everything was on us. Mm -hmm. And and, but the the thing about it is, mainly, the talent didn't get nothing because. You know, we were paying everybody else, uh-huh. but uh, but we had the knowledge on how to get guests. We had the knowledge on uh, how to produce the show because we we worked with the scene, mm-hmm. and and so that was a good thing about working with the scene. How long did it take before it just became? Because as big as the scene was, I think the new dance show was actually bigger than the scene. In my mind, so like, how long did it take before it just took off where people were like watching it consistently? You, you're talking about the dance show or the scene? The dance show. Uh, it, it took, I would say, it took about, well, here's the, here's the thing. When the scene went off, mm-hmm. we put a proposal in 
for a dance show, mm-hmm. and we got approved for for the for the dance show. And Mr. Matthews, who was the uh, uh, station manager at that time, he, he told us we could do uh, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for the dance show. And he had his show that he wanted to do, which was called Contempo. And all of the DJs that was at GPR would host Contempo. So that, you know, we we wanted the, the, the dance show to be on five days a week. But uh-huh. he said, no, we're going to give you three days, and I'm going to put my show on two days. I mm-hmm. said, okay. So we, we produced our shows, brought them in, and then Contempo was on for a while. And then all of a sudden, uh, something happened, and so he canceled Contempo. Mm-hmm. And so he came to RJ and said, okay, you, you got all five days. So we, we started coming on five days uh, and sometimes rerunning on, uh, on, on Saturday night. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So, but when that started, when did it take off to the point where like people were like, you knew it was hot? When did you know that like, okay, people are always watching this? Um, I would say... We, we started in 88, probably 89. So one year time, basically. Yeah. It, it, we, we, we started getting a uh, response and, and letters coming in to the dancers and uh, uh, entertainers coming to town. And this, they, they knew when they, when they came to town that they had the dance show on the was dance the place. Show. Right. And we, okay. What what was the team? What was the foundation team as far as like did you have the dance coordinator and everything kind oh, yeah. of like the scene? Yeah. Who was yeah. the dance coordinator? The dance coordinator was uh let's see. At one time it was Brian Piccolo. Okay. And uh then we had um uh, several dance coordinators. Um Ooh, I can't think of her name. I'm sorry. Oh, she going she going to kill me when the <laughs> But uh, uh, but we, we had several dance coordinators in, in, in the production. Mm-hmm. I think we had three cameramen. Who were the cameramen? Uh, Lorenzo Cox. Uh, we had um, uh, oh, let's see. Oh. Mm-hmm. Lorenzo still works with me, so that's why I can remember. You can remember her. him, right? I think was my cousin Harry ever Cersei. Working with Harry Cersei. Was my cousin Leon Reynolds ever working with you guys? Yes, okay. yes. Yeah, uh, R two. Yep. Yep. R two. We R two was a production guy. Okay. And he was a heckified production guy. He he could create stuff that that he was just very creative. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And, and about the music and everything, was that like? You are was that DJs? That was that was the DJs basically. Okay. What DJs? Jesse the Body was our was our main. He started with us. Okay. Jesse the Body. He passed not too long. I mean, mm. he passed a few years back, mm. and he was like the mixologist when when it came to music. Okay. And, you know, everybody would go to Jesse. Mm-hmm. Uh, Leon Purse was a was another DJ. Um, uh, ooh. I mean, it was a lot of mixologist DJs out uh, 
uh, during that time that we would uh, bring on and, okay. and spotlight them. Okay, can you tell me, because I love always hearing different stories about like what you didn't expect. What was one of the, I guess, most unexpected things that happened at the dance show that you can remember? Um, and it could be like a light going out. It could be, I don't know, a star didn't come well, at the time or somebody knew somebody. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if I should say this. One of the dancers uh, was dancing really hard, female. Uh-huh. And she had a Janet Jackson wardrobe malfunction. Malfunction. Uh-huh. And so it came out and it was bouncing. Oh, man, that so, was probably one of the highest rated episodes. People <laughs> probably calling each other like, hey, turn on the dance show. But, <laughs> Camera three. <laughs> but you see, the, the, the good thing about it is, is that it, we, we pre-recorded all our shows. Oh, and, and then once we, once we uh, pre-record them, my, my responsibility is once we record, pre-record the shows, I had to go in and edit them together mm -hmm. into like eight segments. Okay. So, uh, and, and that was my responsibility that I had to do, you know, like every week. Okay. You know, I was, sometimes I would go in like Sunday mornings and, and get there like 7 o'clock in the morning and start editing. I had three shows I had to edit. Uh-huh. And I would edit all three of them and get them ready. Because we had a, uh, a new show played on Monday, a rerun on Tuesday, a new show on Wednesday, a rerun on Thursday and a new show on Friday. So okay. we would always record three shows whenever we did it. How long of a recording, like to oh, get the eight man. segments, were you guys recording for like how long? Well, when we, when we do the recording of the dance show, we, they would come in like around 12 o'clock in the afternoon. Okay. And sometimes we wouldn't get out until like 1 o'clock at night. Are you serious? I'm serious. That's a lot of dancing. It's a lot, yeah. So what if people got tired? They'd just be like in one shot. No, they weren't they, they, they they tired. They wouldn't, no, they, they, they never got tired because. Cheryl Broke said, never got tired. You were one of the dancers. Okay, so we got a dancer in the house. Were you there for the wardrobe malfunction at <laughs> But the, the, thing, the thing was, they, they would say like, we do show number one. Mm -hmm. And after show number one, they would have to go change. Oh, okay. And, and we do show number two. Okay. Okay. Then after show number two, then we would take maybe like an hour or something break. Uh huh. And then do show number three. Okay. Okay. And the breakdown of the, the way you do the show is, you do a roll, which is the main record that you that they're dancing to, and then you would do B roll. And B roll was what you would use to cover up anything that you didn't like okay. in, in, in the A-roll. So, you know, that's, that was the unique thing about the, the editing back then. Okay. Mm -hmm. Who was, uh, was it ever a guest on the show that you were, or not even just that show, you've interviewed a lot of different people, mm -hmm. met a lot of people. Who yeah. was your favorite interview? Uh, somebody that you saw, like, really wanted to meet this person. Wow, it was it was a lot of people that I that I had an opportunity to meet. I can tell you one person that I I didn't like. Okay. If if, if that was um, 
just as entertaining. The Hammer. Uh, MC Hammer? No, no, no. Uh, oh, oh, you talking about Fred Williamson? Fred Williamson. Oh, okay. Fred Williamson. I didn't. Fred Williamson was the Black mo- most the arrogant guy that I've ever met. You know, because mm. he had he had he was on late night entertainment and uh, we they were good. They were going to have like an after party or something after late night entertainment. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to RJ and Fred was there. And RJ said, "Well, you want hey, you want to come to the party afterwards?" And Fred told me, "Oh no." It, well, I said, "No, I can't because you know I got to get home." Mm-hmm. Oh, you handpicked, huh? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you got you got the ball and chain, and, and mm-hmm. so I didn't I, I didn't like Anita Baker. I liked okay, but I think I hurt her feelings because <laughs> I said, "Dog, Anita, you are so short." And, I, and when I when I said it, I said, "Oh shoot, I shouldn't have said that." Oh man! But she she's real short. Yeah, I know. You know, I know. And uh, uh, I met Will Smith, uh, mm-hmm. Fresh Prince, uh, uh, Jackie Jackson. Um, ooh, just a bunch. I mean, a bunch of Tyrone Davis when he was alive. I, mm-hmm. I met him. Um, so I mean, it was just a bunch of people that. I had the pleasure of uh, meeting and interviewing. Okay. Now, we talked a lot about what was going on before. Mm-hmm. Now, today with TV 33, what's mm-hmm. happened? Um, what we're, what we're uh, proud to announce is that we're in the process of going digital. Okay. And uh, with the uh, digital changeover, we have to go digital before the end of uh, uh, 2015. That's the FCC states that we have to go digital. All, all stations ha- have to get off the analog mm-hmm. and have to go digital before 2015, the end of 2015. So the good thing about the digital aspect is uh, we'll have one high-def channel and three uh, standard-def channels. Okay. So that, that, that means if we lease out channels to anybody, then that's residual income that we, that we can make. I'm with that. Know. So, uh, but the high def station is going to be ours. Okay. And then, but the other ones, if we get a chance to lease them out, then we'll lease those out to the different uh, factions out there. Okay, and and I could go. We're, we're actually coming up on pause, uh, stop, because we could almost talk even longer. Because mm-hmm. I didn't even get into the story so much about how you all moved over to owning the station, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's a really big component of everything. So. Right. I guess briefly, just tell the story. How did it transition over to ownership of the station? Um, we we had a a, a, a young lady uh, who had a bunch of stations, and um, her name is Gwen, and she uh, she had uh, she had control of like a, a bunch of licenses, mm-hmm. and we we had an opportunity to meet with her, and and so we made a deal to to take over it was TV 68 back then mm-hmm. and so the FC, the FCC said uh, at one time there will never be a TV 68 because she did something that they didn't approve mm-hmm. and so they blocked our license hmm. but something happened where we had we had got money from the government on this end, and so government is not going to hurt government. 
Mm-hmm. So they was able to give us, our, you know, to give us our license. Okay. And so uh, eventually we took control of the station, and we were the ones that um, uh, that 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 runs it and, and everything now. So you you went a long journey, and that's what mm-hmm. I hope people get within this podcast mm-hmm. that you went from. Basically dancing, doing dancing show, on, yeah, the, dancing, on swinging time. Dancing on swinging time right. mm-hmm. to singing and performing and mm-hmm. doing introductions mm-hmm. to DJing mm-hmm. to actually having a segment on a television show mm-hmm. to ending up learning production on television shows. Correct, correct. And then on from production on television shows, actually being talent on the television show. Correct. To producing the television show. Producing, directing, producing, editing. The whole, uh, the whole ball of wax. To now owning the station. Right. So every step of the way, it just kept progressing throughout Mm -hmm. this journey of basically getting a voice to the media that you all want. So nowadays, as far as like, what is the, what do you see differently from the beginning? Like over time, if you could like talk to your former self about, you know, where to go, position yourself, where media is, as far as uh, the focus, what what do you think? Well, the problem is, you know, we, RJ and and myself, we always wanted to, to be, uh, personalities mm-hmm. uh, on on TV, mm-hmm. <laughs> but when we took over the station, uh, I mean, it's it's like running the station is is, yeah. is a lot of time. Uh, and see, my main job is to make sure that everything's running, all the programs are are on when they're supposed to be on, and all the equipment is working right. So I I, I don't have time to produce a show or do a show uh, like I want to because mm-hmm. I have to make sure everybody else's show is, is on and, and, and functioning right. So uh, I kind of miss being on the air. Okay. And, and RJ says the same thing because we, we want to do late night entertainment again. Okay. But we just don't have the time. Yeah, I will that, that's, be, uh, I'll be submitting I don't know about dancing, but I'll definitely be trying to be a guest. You will. You will. Definitely on whenever that gets going. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I got a couple closeout questions finally for my okay. podcast. It's mm-hmm. kind of like that whole actor studio thing. Okay. All right. These are Kari questions, definitely. All right. And then we'll close out. Okay. But thank you for coming. This has my been pleasure. Like, like I said, we can go. We can even go way longer with this whole story. But <laughs> I close it off like okay. I want people an hour. But... Um, if you were to fight Mike Tyson in 1988, what music would you come out to? I know that's a Kari question, like ever. So, like your walk-in music. Um, Mike Tyson. Yep. Okay. And what music would I now, would I play? Would you walk? Or? Would you what music would you walk to the ring to? Um, now, mind you, you'd be getting millions of dollars. So just think about the millions of dollars and stepping in the ring. You got to intimidate Mike. Uh, woo, shoot. I, I guess what? Ain't no stopping us. Ain't no stopping us now. Uh, okay. You know, would would be one. Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't want to play nothing saying I'm scared. Okay. But uh, <laughs> that would be but, smart. I'm bad. Okay. You know, I like it. Would, would, would be a good one. Okay. Mm-hmm. Second question. Mm-hmm. If you could name Woodward after any other Detroiter, who would it be and why? 
Um, ooh. The only person that that comes to mind would be Coleman Young. You know, okay. Uh, that's, you know, Coleman, Coleman was just a bad dude. I mean, he was, he didn't take no stuff from nobody. And, and I, 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 I was proud of him, especially during the, those uh, hearings that they had uh, in, in Congress and where he spoke up and, and told a guy, you don't even know how to pronounce our race name. You know, that, that was Coleman. So I, was, I, was, I, was, I would always be proud of him. Okay. You know, Coleman Young. And the last question, what was your favorite concert you ever went to? Stylistics. That's my group. I mean, okay. uh, that's, uh, I enjoy a lot of concerts and, and acts, but uh, the stylistics, as a matter of fact, during my birthday celebration that we had at the station, uh, Russell Tompkins Jr., who was the original lead singer of the stylistics, called in mm. to wish me a happy birthday. Oh, man, that's yeah. cool. So that, that made my day. That's cool. Yeah. Thank you so much for being a My guest. My pleasure. My this pleasure. This was so much fun. Like I said, we could keep going. And uh, also, <laughs> thank your wife for being in full effect. My pleasure. My pleasure. Michelle Broden, she's running. What district are you running? District 5. District 5, Wayne County Commissioner. In full effect, support her. Mm -hmm. That's the daughter, Theo, who I look up to also. Mm -hmm. Man, Mike's here. My mom's here. Donnie's here. About to close it out. Hopefully, you like this podcast. We're gonna open up with some stylistics on your behalf. Okay, all right. Probably gonna pick, I don't know, Children of the Night. <laughs> That's what I'm feeling like. All right. Thank you. Mm -hmm.